welcome to Contrast. On this podcast, we compare and contrast our artistic journeys, creative process, and philosophies on art making. I'm Bethany Granberg, and I'm here with my husband, Josh, and we are both visual artists with very different styles and backgrounds. Hi, Josh. Hello, my love. How's it going? Great. How are you doing? I'm okay. Good. How's little baby doing? Bouncy and wiggly. Good. I'm 24 weeks pregnant today. And I just found out yesterday that I have been diagnosed with celiac disease. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I'm so sad. You love to bake. I love baking. It's like my non-professional creative outlet that is therapeutic and brings me joys. I'm trying to keep in perspective that this is not a tragedy. I'm not dying. There are much worse things that can and have happened to both of us. This is true. In the last year. So it sucks, but it's not tragic. Yeah, we'll get through it. Anyway, what's been the biggest highlight of your week? We went hiking this weekend. That was a blast. This is my first hike in over a year because I've been struggling with um, getting over lead and mercury poisoning. That's a terrible thing. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. We went to a place called Twin Falls and just being out in nature, we took our dog Basil. It was nice and crisp air, fall colors everywhere. It was great. So it was so nice to actually go hiking with him again. I didn't know if that would ever (laughs) happen. Yeah. Okay, so our topic today is going to be portrait painting and everything about that. Awesome. I love portrait painting. Me too. (laughs) That is one thing that Josh and I kind of have in common. Our styles are very different, but we both have done a lot of portrait painting and enjoy it. Yeah. And it is really what I do. I'm a portrait painter. Yeah, that's his focus. It's not my focus per se. So when it comes to portrait painting, where do you start? Well, assuming that I already know I want to do a portrait and know who I'm trying to do a portrait of, my next my next step personally would be to find a good reference photo to use. If it's like a client commissioning me to do the portrait, I would ask them for some options. It just goes better if I have several options to choose from because I know what I'm looking for and it's really hard to explain that. So I would get a good reference photo first and and having multiple pictures, especially if I don't know the person It helps me to just get to know their face and personality to see different pictures, not just one. Yep, multiple pictures. That's great. And then I would start sketching. I would start drawing it out in pencil, getting a feel for the proportions. Would you know what medium you're going to do it with from the very beginning or would that kind of evolve? Yeah, I usually would decide that first. Or if it's a commission, I would ask the client what they want it to be in 
Okay. But I do, I have done portraits in oil and acrylic and watercolor and charcoal and colored pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Watercolor is, is my most common one. What about you? How do you start? I would start with, do I want this to be driven by the aesthetic appeal or the story? Kind of the content. Mm-hmm. And I, that a lot has to do with if it's a commission, if it's a portrait commission, or if I'm just doing a piece of fine art. Well, first off, I don't ask for any photo references and I will not paint from someone else's photo references. <laughs> for, for lots <laughs> but you of have. Different, I, I have, yeah. It kind of gets to the point where they're paying me for my creative process and my vision as an artist not as a copy machine. Mm-hmm. and But just for what I do and my type of art as classical realism, I'm trying to get a specific feel and visuals from it. And most people just simply don't take photos that way. Even professionals don't take photos the same way a classically trained portrait artist would. A classical portrait is painted the way that a human brain sees, not the way a camera sees. And they see reality very, very different. And when you study the way the human psyche sees and interprets reality, you can definitely see that and notice it. Um, And a camera just sees very, very different. So my work is not photorealistic. It is, I don't know what you'd call it. It's Realism is in the way that the human brain sees. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, you know, a lot of people can can call it caricature because I'm trying to pull out, okay, what is my brain remembering about this person? As in photo, like, like facial recognition. My brain is remembering specific things and then I want to emphasize those. Um, and so that's kind of classical portrait. So anyways, how would I approach it? That would be one question. Uh, is this a, a a client or just me? So let's say if it's just me wanting to do a piece of fine art, typically I would be more driven by the the aesthetics, the visuals. So then I would ask questions like, do I want to do a full, you know, the the subject looking directly at me, or a three quarter turn, or a profile? Um, so those would be some questions I ask. Do I want them to be on a light background or a dark background? What's the the feel? Do I want it to be, you know, kind of have a very narrow value range? So it's more kind of moody. You can, you know, it's like painting something in a minor scale, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, or do I want it to be really colorful and vibrant and high contrast? So I kind of come up with a a feel that I want from it and then kind of go from there. Okay. So even painting realistically, you are creating and designing yes. and making creative Absolutely. decisions. Yeah. I'm not copying. I'm not creating. copying a photo. Yeah. So people mean well, and we know that, but, um, and they mean it as an absolute compliment, which is how Josh takes it. But when people say like, wow, that looks exactly like a photograph. That's not, it's not really the goal or what we want, but there's no way that, that someone who hadn't studied that would know yeah. that. Yeah. They would be able to see the difference um, because there's been a few times people who are close that I will show my photo reference to and then show them the painting and they'll go, wow, it looks 
totally different, mm -hmm. but the painting looks more real and more like that person than the photograph does because I'm interpreting it the way the brain does, not a camera. And so they recognize the person faster in my painting than they do in the photograph. Very interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of the very beginning ideation stage. <laughs> so there's a lot of thought before you ever put pencil to paper. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think for me, I I think about a lot before putting pencil to paper, but and some of it is similar as far as like thinking about what I'm trying to express, what kind of mood, like maybe something about that person or maybe something about something that may not really be about that person. <laughs> Am I trying to express something about reality or like a concept Yeah. Um, through the vehicle of that portrait painting? Yeah. Um, and then also a lot of my like journeying with portrait painting and painting in general is, is really about the medium too. What kind of interesting effect am I trying to get with the paint? And then the portrait or the subject matter is just kind of an excuse to do that. <laughs> like, or, and really that has come to be with watercolor that there's so much spontaneous potential in the medium itself yeah there is that is just so like rich and alive and delightful that I have enjoyed experimenting with and so in the end I enjoy it more also when there is a yeah. realistic subject to give the painting context but then these really interesting things happening in the paint and then even those like abstract areas can be part of conveying a concept or message. Yeah. Anyway, so sometimes I'm just playing with the medium and I happen to do a portrait with it. Do you have a particular portrait in mind that you're thinking of? It's a portrait of my niece, Addie. Um, I will link it in the show notes. But that's a watercolor portrait. And in it, I was really trying to simplify my planes with the paint and kind of minimize just literally how much I was painting. Like not every area of the face and skin even has paint on it. There's kind of some open areas. And also keep the, the more minimal strokes that I do have strategic in a design composition way, like where they're placed as well as the energy in them. And also capture, capture her, capture something about her. Like every portrait, I want to capture something about that person so that you look at it and think, wow, that really like expresses her, not just looks like her physical features too. So, so that painting started more about the medium. So you execute a portrait. Do you have kind of a step-by-step -step process that you go through? Yeah. Yeah, more or less. Um, in brief, my process, finding the reference image I want to use, studying other photos of that person, sketching out the drawing on paper to size. I have sort of adopted a little bit of a block-in method, probably not strictly as they do it at Florence Academy, but 
between my exposure to Josh and his training and a little bit of just private art lessons I took from someone with similar training back in Little Rock. That was Steven Cefalo. He's a cool artist if you want to look him up. Um, he's in New York now. Isn't he's he? in New York now, yeah. He used yeah. to be in Arkansas. The block-in, it frames the subject that you're drawing and places it on the paper. So that is immediately deciding some composition things about the negative space and how close your drawing is to the edges. Yeah. What about your palette? Do you have a particular way that you organize your palette or you just kind of have your colors and jump in? My palette is not is not specifically organized, no. I So I have a big watercolor palette with about 20 or so little square wells where the paint stays. So that stays the same and those are labeled. <laughs> It's every color. You know, it's it's a lot of colors. Josh would not use 20 colors. No, I have six. <laughs> so I kind of use all of those as I intuitively feel like it. <laughs> I do have some common things that I have learned to work well, like especially for skin tones. I know the colors that I would go to. After I draw it out in pencil, kind of backing up a little, I do the blocking. I draw it out in pencil, just the outlines. And then I would transfer those pencil outlines onto the watercolor paper or a canvas if I'm painting on canvas with acrylic or oil. And then I would use an eraser to lighten the pencil lines so that they are barely visible because I don't want to see pencil at the end because watercolor is transparent. And then I would start painting and I would, with watercolor, you start with the lightest tones first. A lot of times with faces, I also put the very darkest places in towards the beginning of the painting. Put like a Payne's gray or something really dark. And then I use every color and it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then just go for and it. And then I go. Um, what about you, Josh? Tell us about your like overall process. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, like we talked about at the beginning, by the time I actually start painting or drawing I know what it's going to look like I've done enough paintings I've drawn enough to know this is what it's going to be um, so there's not really a lot of times a whole lot of surprises along the way <laughs> you know it could be two weeks on the concept and then execute and then you know, paint it in a couple of days so actually painting it is a lot faster yeah so you do adjust things as you go though oh yeah yeah some but the basic concept is there okay um so yeah so executing it doing the actual the actual painting is typically pretty organized structured um i use what's called a closed palette bethany uses what's called an open palette so you have your colors on the outside and you kind of mix the paints that you need when you need them all the colors Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine is called a closed palette which means i pre-mix everything and then use those to paint 90% of the painting. And then at the last 10%, I'll just adjust things and put some excitement here and there. And all the colors that you have mixed all come from only six tubes of paint, right? Right. Okay. And really, it's only the three primaries and white. But I have two blues, two yellows, and two reds and white. And from that, you can make you know pretty much anything you want to. So I keep it very, very structured, which keeps it unified and looking 
cohesive as a single thought. Um, a lot of times, even now, for a portrait, I'll do a drawing directly on the canvas, but usually I just do that in one day. So I'll do the drawing right there on the canvas and then jump straight into painting and then again. So that, that first day, I'll cover the entire canvas in paint. And a lot of people see it at that point and think, oh, it's it's done. It's, it's great. It's good. Um, but there's a lot more that can go into it from that point on. So that's the first painting. So that's kind of what I call the block-in. So I have the block-in for the drawing, then the block-in for the painting, and then I'll do what's called the dead coloring, which is basically very, very limited. You're only focusing on values, not colors. So I'll paint it all again in just dead coloring. What actual color do you use for that? Just a very, very basic flesh tone. So I'm not, I'm not modeling with temperature at that point. What about, you talked earlier about the classical method where there's a bunch of steps that you may or may not do. So traditionally what you would do is you would do a drawing um, and then you have, then you do what's called a cartoon, which is basically a fully rendered drawing. So you have as much value as you can put in there, the lightest and the darkest. So it's not a cartoon the way we think of cartoons. (laughs) Again, Leonardo da Vinci is a great example of those. He has some, just, you know, do a Google or Bing search for Leonardo cartoons and you'll see some great ones. Bing. Who uses Bing? (laughs) Bing. We live in Seattle, which is where Microsoft is. Anyways, so you do the cartoon and then you do an underpainting. And then you do the dead coloring. Sometimes those are the same thing. Um, so dead coloring and then first painting, second painting, and final painting. So those are the traditional steps. Um, I typically skip the cartoon. I kind of combine the cartoon and the drawing. So this is a luxury of oil painting. You can just do that. You can just yeah, repaint, paint can. over things in watercolor. You have one shot. Yeah. There is no permanence. There's <laughs> no excuses in oil paints. You can always fix it. Just keep working at it. <laughs> so, you know, once I get to that stage, I've moved through it pretty quick. Each of those, you know, will take a day or two. I can usually do a portrait in three to five days. Um, you know, a lot of people might think that sounds like a lot, but <laughs> I'm actually a pretty quick classical painter. So three to five days, it's about 15 hours or so, 15, 20 hours. Okay. So I talked a little bit about my painting of Addie in watercolor. And really quick, I was using this one artist as inspiration, Nick V. Rung. He is a current watercolor portraitist living in LA who I absolutely am in love with his stuff. I was taking inspiration from him and trying to achieve some of the same effects. But here's another question. Within your portrait paintings, what makes some of them your favorites as opposed to others? Like you have a lot of good paintings, but what do you like the most when you think about them? That's a really, really good question. Kind of fall into two categories. Okay. There's one category that's basically like from the beginning stages, from ideation to execution and completion, everything just worked. You know, like every artist is trying to get in that state of mind, that state of being where you're in, you know, what we used to call the right brain. 
and you're just floating around in a creative state, just executing creative things beautifully. Maybe not perfectly, but... Like it just flows. Effortless. Yeah, it just flows out. Okay. And everything yeah. just works well. It's like for that one, the portrait that I did of you is it was kind of that way. It just from ideation to taking the photographs to doing the sketches and the, all that stuff and then painting it, it just worked the entire way. I was his muse. He was. She was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it just worked great, and it turned out to be a, a great portrait. Um, An older, older than us lady that I'm friends with saw that painting and she said, I think we were just dating at the time. And she said, oh, Bethany, he's in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I <laughs> <laughs> yep. So maybe that's why it was so effortless. You, I might have thought like painting you would have been really challenging. And I think I went into it thinking that. Hmm. It's like, because I have this idea of you. It's like, can I actually capture that beauty? I don't know. You're but so sweet. it was just, and I don't want to say it was easy. It just worked the whole time. Okay. And then you have, you know, I have like, so that's one category, the, the ones that just work. And the other category are paintings that I suffered through. <laughs> <laughs> they were hard. And, you like know. Like the tortured artist. Yeah, the tortured artist thing to where I just fought and fought and fought these paintings and they fought back and we just beat each other up and I, I like to think of it like two bears or two wild dogs just going at it like crazy just visceral raw but then at the end of it I look at them and even now looking back I think wow I am a different person having painted that painting because of the struggle because of the struggle mm. because of the fight in it and you know it might be specific areas like a hand or uh, the way to render someone's hair you know whatever it might be or the whole painting in general the composition you just redo over and over and over and over and over and you have to be brave enough to do that and to have that fight and keep going at the end of the day and so there's some paintings that I look at that, you know, I just see that fight. Wow, so those are kind of opposite. They are. But they both have to do with the process, not really the product. Yeah, I definitely just really love the process of painting. Interesting. Um, I think that's maybe why I'm a good portrait painter, because a lot of portrait painters or artists don't like doing portrait painting because they don't like the confines of portrait painting. You have a client telling you to do this. Like they get bored with it. They get bored with mm -hmm. it, yeah. But I, I love the process of painting and solving all those problems. Like we talked about the creative process. I love simply the process of painting. Okay, interesting. So what about you? Well, uh, my answer is really not anything like that. Um, <laughs> That's why it's called contrast. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I came up with that question and I was thinking about the finished product. I would say two things. I already talked about the more, like, abstract effects of the medium itself. That's one. If I can achieve some really delightful, rich, just technical effects with the paint, that is one thing that really delights me in, yeah, that's fun. in my paintings. Um, 
The other one is really more <laughs> deeper. <laughs> is the concept, like the strength of if it is a powerful truth or expresses a powerful thing, whether that is joy or delight or or sadness, just anything real, you know? Yeah. Like if I can convey that in a like, I'm trying to look for a different word than powerful. <laughs> Which that's interesting with portraits because I'm not actually necessarily thinking of portraits when I say that, but it does apply and can apply to portraits too. Maybe it's like really capturing the essence of who somebody is powerfully and this really comes across better if I know the person probably. Mm -hmm. Like I painted both of my, my older nieces Addie, who I already mentioned, and Libby. My motivation for starting the painting of Libby was more about what was going on in her life at the time and how much I loved her. And and so when, when I painted it, I was in Washington, she was in Arkansas, but I knew that some pretty serious stuff was going on in her life and I was so emotional <laughs> that I wanted to like, express my care and love for her in some way. Mm -hmm. And so doing that painting was kind of therapeutic for me, as well as just a gesture of something to do. Like when you can't do something for someone that you love, you need something to do. Like when you can't actually help them or, or do something practical. So that came out of a more emotional place for, in me personally. And so I have an emotional attachment to the painting and it's one of my favorites. And it's really interesting. I, I did it at school actually and I was doing it as an example for a class project which is kind of ironic that it was so personal to me but I was doing it as a lesson plan example <laughs> yeah. I wanted my students to approach painting a portrait in a non-traditional way what the assignment was was to create an abstract background and they had to think about some design principles as they did it like balance and focal point and kind of movement throughout the positive and negative space of colors and values. And then I didn't tell them what the rest of the assignment was going to be. They created this abstract background not knowing what what I was going to tell them to do with it after that. And oh, then so they didn't know they were going to paint a portrait. They didn't know they were going to paint a portrait it. on it. Oh, interesting. That's fun. So then I told them they had to paint a portrait on top of it and not <laughs> cover cool. up the whole background cool like they had to leave most of that background showing and they had to like coordinate where the facial features went on top of the abstract background to still keep emphasis and a focal point that's cool definitely should check out what that painting looks like it's awesome so the non-traditional approach to this painting also kind of corresponds to Libby and who she is being kind of non-traditional Awesome. <laughs> I didn't think about that at the time, but if there is conceptual connections to the visual element, then then I feel successful. Okay. So it's definitely kind of that balance between the visual interest and the emotional pull. Yeah. And appeal to it. Yeah. Very cool. So that's portrait painting in a nutshell. Hope you didn't feel like we were trying to teach you how to do portrait painting just talking about our process and 
<laughs> what's interesting about it and what's different about it. As you can tell, it's very different. Well, guys, just like in art, it can be hard to know when something is finished. <laughs> but I think we're about done. We will be back to talk more about art and art making another time. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you.